It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul on demand, season two, episode 45 with the guys of Shenandoah. And we found ourselves in a complex business and, and music that had changed a great deal since we had left it. You know, I mean, the charts are not even... Yeah, somebody goes, man, tell me what the charts are. I ain't got no idea what the charts are. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I, so- I ain't got a clue. Somebody <laughs> said, well, you know, you got a number one record. and go, really? <laughs> man, that's fantastic. That's awesome. We had a good time with the guys from Shenandoah reminiscing about the past and talking about the future. You know, they uh, have the song that uh, Two Dozen Roses that they redid with Luke Combs. And it became that number one hit that they're talking about. Hop on in here. Taste the Country Nights on Demand, where we interview some of your favorite country artists. In the past, we've had Toby Keith, Dolly Parton, Jelly Roll, Garth Brooks, Ronnie Dunn. Always talking to your favorite country music superstars. Just search for Taste of Country Nights on Demand, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you enjoy this one. Evan Paul here, hanging with the guys in Shenandoah, man. What's going on? Man, just, man, everything's going on, Evan. It's yeah. just kind of blowing up right now. What's it like being brand new to the country scene? <laughs> well, you know, okay, the truth, that, 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 there's truth in that statement. It really is. I mean, you know, uh, with this new thing with uh, with Luke, and, and of course, you know, and it's it's nothing but a but an older, it's a newer bottle of an older bottle of wine with two dozen roses with Luke. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there's a... Which you know we have noticed that there's been a lot of lot of young folks that have been coming to the shows and and a lot of folks that uh, uh, that are replying to to a lot of different things that we've been doing media wise and stuff we've been seeing that's that's been floating around and stuff. So yeah, I, I mean it it really is kind of. It is kind of a new feat here. How is it? Well, I know, like, you guys have been on tour this whole time, but, like, is it almost like feeling, being back into the spotlight, is it almost like feeling like you were in jail and you just got out and there's, like, new technology? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, yeah. you, before you, when you did interviews for radio, it probably wasn't any cameras and there wasn't social media clips and stuff, like... How's that aspect different for well, you? Well, guys? to be honest with you, I mean that—that's really what we've tried to get to. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I left the group for seventeen years and then uh, started back, you know, in fourteen nine years ago, and and uh, we've been trying to to steadily work toward toward where we work, you know, because we we just didn't believe that we were finished. We we didn't believe we'd said everything we wanted to say, and uh, and and we found ourselves in a in a complex business and and music that had changed a great deal since we had left it. You know, I mean, the charts are not even... Somebody goes, man, tell me what the charts are. I ain't got no idea what the charts are. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I, I ain't got a clue. Somebody <laughs> said, well, you know, you got a number one record. and go, really? <laughs> man, that's fantastic. That's awesome. And, you know, the label goes, we're going to throw you a number one party and go, for what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's really changed that much, but... Yeah, you know, you know, we just really want to be relevant, uh, relevant, and we're yeah. uh, relevant too. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did the whole thing with Combs come about? And uh, you know, did was it him that got to you guys? We, were, he was we like, were seeing videos. Actually, he was doing it in his show. Okay, uh, and several people sent us videos. I can't remember. Did we run into him at one of the award shows? Well, yeah, but it, we'd run into him uh, before uh, a couple of years previous. Well, in nineteen, it was for COVID. And uh, I'd went over to where he was at, and and I told him, I said, bro, I said, you better turn your hat around. He goes, what? I said, you better turn your hat around. He goes, and he looked at me kind of puzzled, and I said, 
man, you ain't going to know whether you're going or coming here in just a minute. And I, I never realized that male vocalist was the next award. Wow. And then all of a sudden before, you know, and then they called everybody to get back in their seats, sat down, and they called male vocalist. He probably and, thought you'd already looked in the envelope, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> so, anyway, so, so when he started making his way up, I just gave him the old thumbs up, you know. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, and since then there's been kind of a camaraderie of, of – uh, Look, man, I, I'm a big Luke Combs fan. You know, I always have. Yes. You know, there's a lot of cats out there. That, you know, man, I, I love Cody Johnson, uh, Dirks, uh, you know, uh, you know, Luke Bryan, uh, the, J- Jason Aldean. I mean, you know, just Blake. a bunch of those cats, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, Blake's been a good buddy of ours. And uh, Do you have any good Blake stories? No, I, I hear that there's a lot of people that do. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on a few, though. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, let's talk about earlier in the year, you uh, you cut a song that FGL wrote. Uh-huh. Um, or, or earlier, yeah. And there was like a hint to Shenandoah in the song. Did you guys add that, or was that something that, that, that Brian and them wrote? No, I, I'll let Mike throw that well, in there. They, we were doing a thing that the CMA folks asked us to come be a part of a, a surprise thing for uh, Bob DePiro. Uh, a lot of the people that uh, Bob had written songs for, he's a songwriter, and uh, he wrote Church on Cumberland Road for us. And that's yeah. why they invited us. They wanted us to come surprise Bob for this event they were doing. And gotcha. there was a lot of other people backstage that were going to come out and do the same thing. They were going to sing a song that, that they had recorded that Bob had written. And uh, while we were backstage, I remember Kelsey Ballerini was back there and Tyler Hubbard from Florida Georgia Line was back there. And we were about to go in the studio and record. And uh, I just uh, was talking to him and said, hey, man, have you got anything to be good for Shenandoah? We're fixing to go in and cut a new record. He said, oh, man, I got some great stuff for you guys. So he sent, uh, I think it was 10 songs, and I was going through all the songs listening to him. And and uh, his song popped up and... I, was, I played it to Marty. I said, "Man, we got to we got to cut this." Like song. you can almost hear Florida Georgia Line singing it. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys really captured it. But but you know the lyric content in there that changed that that actually wasn't on the original right when we got it. Okay. Uh, in fact, Mike and Noah Gordon, our producer, was the one that came next to you next to me, or, or whether Mike did it or, or Noah. Uh, it, it was a change well, that it, we it did rhymed. before I, we did it. I was it. one that came up with, but it was just a rhyming thing. Is what it was. It rhymed. It had an e rhyme, and I thought, man, we need to put. You know, next to you, next to me in there. Yeah. So that's how that happened. Okay, that's cool, man. But I didn't get any writer credits. <laughs> you better go <laughs> well, back I think there's four writers on it, so that it was it was skinning pretty thick. Anyway. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. What's it like to be the artist that people look up to? You know, like in a sense, like you know, you remember back when you guys first came in. In a sense, now you're the juniors, the seniors in high school, and, and people are starting to write songs that are tributes to your songs. What's that like being on the other side? Well, you know, it's flattering for sure. Yeah, it, it's very humbling, you know, to think that, that that somebody would, you know, would think that much. But, but you know, look, when you first start out, Evan, it's, it's just like you can say the same thing. I could ask the same thing about your career. Did you ever believe 38 years ago that you'd be sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> no, doing this today? No, not at all. You know, because yeah. nobody thinks that way. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You know, but the only thing in the world that, that that honest and truly that we've ever known how to do, even when I was gone or, or, or whatever, the only thing that we we ever know how to do is to try to go and keep our foot on the gas. Some days you go 15 miles an hour and some days you go 150. 
And so, therefore, you know, some of the things that we've done, we knew that we we had to cut the great, the, 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 the literally the greatest songs we get our hands on, the best material that we knew that would apply to nobody, not not to a certain group, just the best song we could get our hands on. Because nine times out of ten, if you if you pick the best song, everybody else is going to like it. So, and and I really honestly and truly believe that that's been our longevity is is the material. You know, you know, Moon Over Georgia. And, I want to be loved like that, and and you know, of course, two dozen roses and Sunday in the Church, South. Yeah, Church on Cumberland Road, and, and you know, it's just it's just songs that that, that have been able to to kind of uh, weather and and stand the test of time. No matter what the charts do, no matter what the music does, it, it seems to be a recurrent, and uh, and we see that every time we take the stage. I mean, it you know. Uh, you know, we're thinking, you know, currently right now, everybody's going to be yelling for two dozen rows. Man, everybody's yelling for, you know, Moon Over George and Mama Knows and, you know, Vicinity of the Heart, and, you know, this kind of stuff. You get thinking, man, wow. So, you know, the, the younger audience, as we were speaking about a while right. ago, they've been watching. And you know that they've been watching because they ain't just singing the chorus on, you know, when you right. halfway know something, you sing a chorus. Yeah, yeah. But when you know it, you sing the verses. True. So I, I'm down front, you know. I'm singing. So I, I'm looking at these these young people, and they're singing all of it. That's crazy, you know. And, yeah. and my, my my bad thing is, is man, I'm gonna miss the lyric because I, 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 I I'll get on Ranger Speed every once in a while, and I'll miss the lyric. <laughs> Bill, <'cause... laughs> people will look at you. You like, change that? You all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, Church uh, on Cumberland Road kind of started like Rascal Flatts' career. Yeah, they you said know? the first song they ever yeah. sang together was that. They were on the side of the stage. About to go on, and they said one of them said, "Is there anything that we all three know together? We're about to go on here." And somebody said, uh, "Y'all know any Shenandoah songs?" And somebody said, "I know Church on Cumberland Road." Boom. They were like, "Well, we all know that one, so that's what." And they y'all did. have outlasted them. <laughs> I mean, they're not touring anymore or whatnot, you know. So there's something to that, you know what I'm saying? Well, we love what we do, man. Yeah. We've, we've been doing it a long time, and it's great. You know, I tell people all the time, going out on the road is kind of like going camping with the guys. It's just in a in a big you know, metal tube <laughs> right. you know, that we're camping in. But, uh, you know, everybody's got their own their own little cubby hole in the bus. And, yeah. You know, and we just really enjoy each other's company and, and playing our music for, for the fans. Do you guys have any original Shenandoah merch, like from back in the day? Somewhere? I do. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, what do you got? Like, I, 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 got, I got some old T-shirts. My and mom some kept everything. Caps. Really? Like, yeah. unworn? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And again, I, I didn't keep them for any other reason other than thinking that, you know, man, I'd wear them someday. But then they, they got put in a, in a, in a plastic box. And before you know it, they, they were put up in the, in the, in the attic and getting Christmas stuff down. I keep threatening, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to get this stuff out. You should. And uh, we had a, a guitar player, Jamie Michael, that was, you know, man, he was just, man, you got any vintage. Yeah. swag. So I, I I pulled him out. I pulled him out a shirt and brought it to him. And man, you'd have you'd have thought it was already Christmas. Well, <laughs> what about Combs? He's a vintage guy. You guys should send him a, an old Shenandoah shirt. Yeah, you know that's a good idea. We ought to. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. he loves vintage stuff. I well, think that would what be we should, awesome. What we should start doing is making the vintage stuff. Yes, <laughs> and we putting them out, not yeah. telling anybody. Right. But I ain't got time for brand takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what are some difference in the actual logistics of touring from the 80s and 90s to now? What has changed over the years that's different? Like, 
you know, like well, like your rider, like well, what's on your backstage list? Are uh, are the trucks different from we got, vans? We, we got the internet on the bus now. Okay, <laughs> and a satellite, okay. a satellite dish. I remember back and this this time of year is a good time to tell us, but we were always Braves fans, and I can still remember, and I know Marty does too. We'd be traveling uh, down the road, and the Braves would be playing in the playoffs, you know, and we're trying, we're wondering what the score was because we had no television wow. to pick it up. And we, once we got close enough, like if we were going through into a big city, yeah, into yeah. a big city, we could pick up the signal for maybe twenty minutes, <laughs> you know, just from the antenna on the on the television, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, and now here, uh, here the Braves are in the in the playoffs again. So, but yeah, you know, I've been on a bus and and being able to have a satellite dish on the bus and watch anything you want to, and and having the internet on the bus. I mean, golly, back in our day, that uh, that was unheard of. Okay, but you know, as far as anything changing a great, you know, it really hasn't. Uh, you know, we, we, we bring our uh, front of house console and, okay. we, and we bring our own monitor rig and, uh, you know, lights and, and stacks is pretty much about near all that, that, that really uh, has changed for us uh, in the last little bit. Uh, you know, our rider, you know, pe- people honestly, too, they get surprised at our rider. You know, we, we, we don't get alcohol on our rider. We don't get beer. We, you know, we don't get, you know. We get Fresca. Okay, yeah. And I, th- I think they cuss us more because Fresca's harder to find. It's than hard to find, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and if they don't, you know, then, then we get to Dr. Pepper's. Fresca's going to hear this, know. and the next thing we know, we're going to be endorsed by them. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> These but assholes want so. Fresca. How are we going to find Fresca? that? Fresca? Do they still make that? <laughs> yeah, they do. And it's absolutely delicious. It is. It yeah. is. I love it. Um, and peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. I, 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 I can guarantee you go to our bus right now, and I bet you there's 21, 21 jars of peanut butter on our bus right now. 21 jars of it. Wow. And it can be either Peter Pan or Jif. It doesn't make any difference. Oh, really? Creamy or chunky? No, it's got to be creamy. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's and, interesting. And, and the loaves of bread. I mean, Lord, we we got enough, man. They they've got to put some kind of chemicals in that bread, Marv. That that bread's been in that pantry for Since two February. months, and it's still still good. <laughs> we got bagels that have been there since last year, <laughs> but it goes good with the fresca. That's how you yeah. the fresca. It goes down good. What is uh? Can you tell me about your best show ever and your worst show ever. Uh the the worst one. I, I'll throw this in here. We played a little place in Oklahoma. Uh, was it Salisaw, Corky's yeah, Finish Line? Yeah, Corky's Finish Line. This was in the early, early, early days of our career. We oh, didn't yeah. have a bus yet. We were still in a van. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, but we, uh, we went in there to play that. Uh, it was a little bitty nightclub. And uh, I remember us doing sound check that day, and my eyes just were burning. I couldn't figure out why my eyes were burning. Well, we get up that night to do the show. Somebody had the whole stage was wired from one extension cord, and it was rolled up on a big spool right below the the uh, drum riser I'm, and I'm the drummer. And so during the show, well, I started seeing smoke and I looked down and this, all the plastic on the extension cord had melted. It looked like a big ant bed and it was just naked <laughs> wires sitting there and then poof, it caught on fire uh, right in the middle of our show. Uh, and we had to evacuate the building. Oh the whole, whole thing did. <laughs> hey, so did was, you know yesterday was a h- hug a drummer day? I did know that. My wife hugged me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know, Marv. I, I wasn't around you to hug. It's <laughs> probably and I'm good not thing. sure I would have. Yeah, right. <laughs> the best show? I don't. I'm not sure what the best show would be. There, we've had a lot of great shows. I, I, I tell you, the, the, literally one of the most enjoyable uh, 
was when we got to do the the stadium this past year. Yes. Uh, at, at at CMA Fest. Yeah. I mean, man, that that literally was kind of like the epitome of of uh, you know, knowing that we were in this business and, and kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know, knowing this comeback was, you know, man, this man, this thing's for real. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna tell you something. Nine years ago, we wouldn't have got within 15 miles of that place. Not, you know, not for us to perform. Yeah. You know. Wow. And then here we were. You know, we we were opening it up. You know, the performances and and uh, and you know, you, man, you get you get charged up and you get fired up, man. You you, you wanna you wanna get everybody in the right. You wanna get everybody in the right frame of mind so we get out there and kick it and. And, uh, man, it was a good feeling. Man, the crowd was great. And country music lovers, you know, they, yeah. all, they all mask on this town and, and they, they come to, they come to listen to whoever it is. They, they, they come to listen and enjoy. And, and we tried to give them the old what for. And, and, uh, and when it was over with, it sure was nice to, to say that we've done it. Sure was. That's cool, man. We Whoa. drank a couple frescas before we got up there. <laughs> Y'all better put your cap on backers. I don't know if you're going or no, coming. You better put your cap on. I don't know whether you're going or coming. Who's left to collab with for you guys? Is there anyone on the list that you would love to work with? I, I would love to sing with Dolly. Okay. I, I truly would. I, I'd love to sing with Dolly. I, and always have. You know, uh, her and Porter did a song, and, and she and Bill Phillips had wrote a song years ago called Put It Off Until Tomorrow. And I, Bill Phillips, I, I, I went to the uh, Sanford Civic Center, Sanford, Florida. That's where I'm from. And and uh, Kitty West and, and, and Bobby Wright and and, uh, and then were there at the, at the Civic Center, and uh, uh, Bill Phillips was with them on that package show. And he sang that, and he'd mentioned that Dolly Parton you know, had had helped him write it. And, uh, man, I liked the way he did it. And then I heard Dolly and Porter do it. And, you know, it's just been one of them kind of, I just thought, man, I'd give anything to the world if I could sing that with her. So Put it yeah. out in the, in you know, the who world. Knows? Yeah. All right. And uh, what do you guys think about Reba on The Voice? You guys have any Reba stories? You know, I hadn't caught that I yet. I, I've, seen the, I've seen the commercials, but I hadn't caught it yet. Okay. You know. Do you guys have any old Reba stories? Were you guys friends back in the day? Are you friends? But No. You, you know, yeah. actually, at that time, you know, we were kind of, uh, that that was a different circle than, than, than what we were running in. You know, she, she, she'd already made it and was at the literally the superstar status, you know, by the time we had, we, we'd come around and, and Reba uh, recorded one of my songs. I was a songwriter did. before I got into the Shenandoah thing. Okay. But, uh, she recorded a song I, that, uh, me, uh, Robert Byrne, who was our record producer, actually in early, early Shenandoah days. And, uh, Mark Beeson wrote this song called, I wouldn't know. And, uh, it was, we had recorded it. Uh, there was, it actually got recorded by like four or five different artists. And, uh, I remember, the, the song plugger that played it for Reba, uh, I don't know why he played it to her because she wanted to record it. And he said, well, you can't record it because, you know, they're fixing the – this guy's over here is recording it, and they're talking about it being the next single. And she said, well, let me know if it's going to be because I love this song. And it, and this guy said that she called him every week wanting to know the status of the song. <laughs> and she finally said, well, the heck with it. I'm going to cut it. I love the song. Wow. So she recorded it, and uh, never was a single, but, but I got a Reba cut. That's cool, yeah, man. Yeah, it was cool. And you guys still actively writing? Not as much as we used to. It's so hard to get anything even heard in this. Yeah, Shenandoah kind of ruined our writing career. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it. That's where my heart, when I first got in the music business, that's what my heart, where it was at, was as a songwriter. Uh-huh. And uh, I can still remember, I got a, 
I got a T. Graham Brown uh, single one day, and he called me at the studio down in Muscle Shows at Fame Recording Studio. And uh, the girl at the front desk said, hey, Mike, you got a call on line one. And I answered it and said, hello, it's Mike. And he said, Mike McGuire? And I said, yeah. He said, hey, this is your old friend T. Graham Brown. I'm just calling letting you know you got my next single, brother. And I was like, what? Wow. T. Graham Brown's calling me. I didn't know if I was more surprised that, that I was getting the next single on him or that he personally called me. That wow. just meant so much to me that, yeah. that the artist would you know, personally pick up the phone and, and call. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yo, T's good about that. Though. But, yeah, we were we were songwriters. I was, you know, and my brother was. That's how I met Marty. Yeah. Matter of fact, my brother. Uh, they were writing for Larry Butler. But, yeah, we, we were. You know, songs, I think that's one of the reasons Marty was talking earlier about, about songs. It's all about the song. I don't care how good a singer you are. If you don't have a great song to sing, you don't have anything. And so I think uh, I think our uh, our ability to write songs helped us a whole lot in when it came time to start picking songs mm. for us to record. You know, and, and thank goodness we weren't so greedy that we wanted to just record our songs. Now we did. Me and Marty and Bob McDill wrote "If Bubba Can Dance, I Can Too." So it's not like we didn't have songs that we wrote that we recorded. We did, but at the same time, we felt like, you know, we need to record the best songs we can find. And we also wanted to show everybody we had a little humor as well. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's a big, there's little a big difference between a good song and a and great, a great song. song. Sure is. And man, if you didn't bring that to the listening session, somebody else plays one that it is. Yeah, this town's full. Man, you, of man, you, great, yeah, I mean, full look. of great songwriters. They know how to write songs, and I mean, you're not going to hear a bad song. The trick is being able to to hear through a good song. Okay, like Marty was saying, and find that great song. Yeah, tough town. Yeah, yeah. Very tough. But but it's hey it's a it's a good place to find them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. At least at least you, at least you know you you're kind of centrally located where you where you need <laughs> right. to go to get them. Go fishing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank y'all for stopping hey, by. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and and we appreciate you having us. And thanks for letting us get on and pedal our whales, uh, wares, Evan. We man, it's it's been good being with you, bud. Oh, thank you, man. Next time we'll have frescas. Sounds good. <laughs> Don't forget to turn your hat around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your hat turned around. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys thank you. Hey, thank you bro alright let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera talk about this interview what's happening I really just want to talk about Freshka. yeah Fresca. man Fresca. I didn't even know they still made it I mean I, I, I guess I haven't really looked but yeah the, I, I, the, I, I didn't know the, the best part was when he came through CMA Radio Row about a month later <laughs> he he brought it back up like he was, he was all in on that joke. <laughs> yeah, he is totally in on it. I mean, I, I got to be honest. The last time I've seen a fresco had to be like summer camp when I was like eleven. My my buddy Corey had a fresco and everybody wanted one. I remember it was like so good. But I mean, are, one has to wonder because when Marty was telling me this story, I was thinking to myself. Is you know how you can go into like any Rite Aid or Walgreens and still buy a VCR? You know, it's like the bottom shelf, it's dusty, right. but it's there. Are yeah. they buying like all the leftover fresca, like the dead stock, or is it still being made? No, no, I think it's still being made. I bet you if you go to your supermarket, you'd you'd find fresca on the shelves. Okay. In fact, the last time uh, now it's been a really long time, so this may not be the case any longer. But there's some fast food chain. It's like either Hardee's or Arby's that has that carries Fresca. Oh wow! 
It's got to so. be one that uh, is for uh, elderly folks in the early bird specials, so like the Outback Steakhouses at 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, man, these, these guys are so much fun. Uh, Marty and Mike, and, and I, I don't know, you, you didn't have a lot of familiarity with Shannon and Doe, I think, ahead of time, and I never met them before. Did you have any sort of anxieties or kind of what were you thinking you wanted to know from them as they as they walked into the room dude i'm gonna be honest man i literally i i only had known known like one of their songs and i obviously knew how big they were but i i just wasn't that into them back in the day so like i was a little bit nervous when they came in i didn't really know what to expect but it's tough because if it's a new artist that you don't know a lot of, you know, they're new and they don't really know what they're doing either. But these guys, you know, they were, they will, I don't know them personally, but I'm sure they would be able to know if you're BSing after doing interviews for 30 years. So that was the only thing that was weighing heavy on me. It was like, I got to act like I'm making it, fake it till I make it. Um, you know, but I was supplied by Billy Dukes with some good questions that kind of helped in learning, you know, and I read their biography and all that, but you know, there was part of them that was so, like, sweet and special, like, s- still a relic from the 90s. I don't know if this makes sense, but, like, uh, yeah. Mike was, like, dressed like he it was 1998. And, you know, I'm not dissing yeah. him. I'm just saying, like, it was kind of cool. Well, and sort of that timeless style, like he wasn't necessarily wearing what was popular in the late 90s for a man to wear. It was just sort of that timeless, like it easily could have fit in that era. Yeah, like he had the Nike Monarch shoes, like the the full like dad era, like anything you would imagine your dad to have been wearing in like 99. That's what they came in. They brought that warm feeling and they just, I don't know, to me... At first, I was like, oh, man, these guys haven't been on the road in all these years. And Luke Combs just woke them up, you know, with this uh, redo of the song. But I quickly learned, you know, as you can probably tell listening, that, oh, man, these guys have, have been constantly on the road this entire time. You know what the other thing that sort of recalled that 90s feel was when they talked about driving down the road on their on their bus trying to go to major, major city to major city and pick up maybe 20 minutes of an Atlanta Braves game. Because back then, and maybe still today, the Atlanta Braves would would have been on, um, what was it, WGN? One of the UHF stations? Like, you could get the Braves, kind of like you could get the Cubs. You could get them just about anywhere. Um, okay. But I would do that, too. Like, I'd go through towns and I'd try to pick up different baseball games on the radio. Um like so, that kind of sent me back to another era. Nowadays, you might just have Sirius, and then you got the Braves game on the radio the whole time, or you know, you got MLB.com, and you can pay for their TV and and, and get it. But that's that's another reason that kind of took me back to to that sort of era of country music and life. Yeah, and you got to remember, like back in those days, like when you were going to the bathroom number two, like you were reading the back of a hairspray bottle, you know, like you were reading toothpaste uh, details and ingredients and stuff. There was nothing to do, but we didn't know any different. And it, it was interesting to me, like talking to Shenandoah, talking to Garth Brooks and Ronnie Dunn, who had never seen, which you can listen to uh, on uh, episode 41 of this podcast. If you go back, you've never seen, they've never seen an episode of Friends wow. or Seinfeld. And then the guys in Shenandoah were talking about, you know, like you said, catching that Braves game. Like, 
to me, that's just so cool that they were really living the life back then, and they didn't know it. And I'm sure we're going to say the same about us now with some future uninvented uh, technology, right. but you know, they were really living the life back then. So there's two kinds of uh, classic artists like this, and I'd put them in the sort of the classic category. I mean, they had a great career in the 80s and 90s, and there's a group that sort of realized that they had their their prime and are realistically past like their commercial peak. Like they're not going to get to the top of the radio charts again. They're not going to sell out arenas again. Um, and they're just really grateful and humble for people who are still really interested in the music. And then there's artists who don't really recognize that, that that's the case. And we've talked to both over the years, but Shenandoah, I mean, I talked to them, I think it was two years ago at an event called CRS, and it quickly realized they're just, like, even if they had figured out that maybe you weren't the biggest fan or didn't know a lot about, I think they would have humbly sort of done a little more of the heavy lifting and guided you through the interview, because at the end of the day, that's their interview, that's their time. Uh, on the radio or on the podcast or whatever it is, and they, they're not going to let it go just because maybe their interviewer isn't uh, on his game. Right, yeah, and they were classically trained. Like, they, they did pick up the slack really quick, and it's uh, it was really nice to see and be a part of. Like I said, they've probably done like a million of those, you know, and probably have encountered a million me's, you know, yeah. and they they did pick up the slack. And uh, I thought the interesting, most interesting part for me, too, was hearing how they found out that Two Dozen Roses was getting covered by Luke Combs, you know, like they had no clue until people were sending them videos, you know, and they're like, oh, man. And then they had the wherewithal to... And the smarts to say, well, we're going to get on it and re-record it before someone else does, and we'll just get Combs on it. Because they're yep. right. Like, look at Joe D. Messina, like, uh, with Heads Carolina and Cole Swindell, and that's happening right now. People are reinventing, you know, 90s country songs, and I think they saw that that was about to happen to theirs. Do you think Luke would have done it on his own or someone else would have done that on their own without them? No, I don't think he would have he would have cut a version of that um just for his record. No. Um people just aren't okay. doing covers like that any longer. I mean, obviously Luke just had the big one with Fast Car, but that was kind of a different kind of deal because it was like an all-time influential song and it's not you can't hear that song. You couldn't hear, hear Fast Car on country radio at all whereas you probably can still pick up um, Shenandoah songs on, on country radio these days here and there, but no, no, I don't think anybody would have would have covered it in, in an official capacity. Um, Interesting. Well, I thought it was good on them for being aware to, to cut it before someone else did, and hopefully they're making some money off of it. I, although I've seen some articles about Spotify lately that <laughs> I don't know if they're right. making any money off Unless anything. Unless you're Taylor Swift. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, making that it was a hundred million last year. Uh, yeah. So some other '90s artists I would love to sort of see, like I mean, you you mentioned Jody Messina, um, and then uh, Shannon Doa. Uh, I, I think an art. I think Diamond Rio would be a really cool artist to sort of bring back into the fold. Um, Joe Diffie's getting a little bit of love now, which is kind of the strangest thing to me. Like Hardy and Post Malone are making a Joe Diffie album of songs. Um, which is sort of bizarre. Yeah. Uh, John Michael Montgomery, I think it would be a super cool artist to sort of have a heyday again, although I don't know necessarily if he's singing or performing at this stage of his life. Um, 
I'm not sure where he's at vocally. Uh, but there's just so much depth there, I think, in the catalog. To, I mean, people used to do this all the time. Like back in the 80s and 90s, it was really, really common to cover and record and release old songs to country radio. Maybe even a song that was just released 10 years ago and run it back up the charts again. Like that happened all the time. And I think radio was kind of better for it. Look who just did it. Uh, Toby Keith. Toby Keith. That's a good example. Yeah. With uh, uh, Don't Let the Old Man In. Like, what was it yeah. when he first put it out? Like, wasn't it like a semi-stiff? It was, yeah. It was 20, 2018, I believe. And it, it, I think it cracked the top 40. And, you know, it was just a big old ballad. So it was kind of like a weird song a little bit, maybe for some people. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a big hit now, at least in terms of the, the streaming and the sales audience, if not the radio airplay yet. I will say, though, on like Amazon Music, sometimes they have songs that are recut by artists like you're talking about like years later, and they're just not as good. I don't know if it's just you're just their voice changes and stuff and it just maybe it is as good. It just just sounds different than what you're used to. So I don't know. I'm a little skeptical about that. I got burned by Everclear. That was like my favorite band. And then on Amazon Music. They they re-released all their stuff with art re-singing everything, and oh. you know it's just not there. Well, you know why artists do that, don't you? To make some money. Well, I, well, I mean that is the the long and short of it. But the, they they're trying to sort of reclaim the rights to their song. They're basically doing oh. what Taylor Swift did has done without being so um, transparent about it. Like oh, just kind of re-record. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, getting, that makes sense. They're getting new versions. On their own labels, because maybe they're songs that they didn't write, so they're not getting uh, songwriting royalties any longer. So they want those mechanicals, so they re-record it on like, their own label. That way they can get some of those streams and some of that airplay. It's a, it's a pretty crafty idea if you still got it. But yeah, I think in mo- nine t- times out of ten, it the song isn't, it isn't as good as your first experience with it. Yeah. Oh, if I was an artist, man, like that, I would just do it like what Al Dean and I think Sam Hunt just did. I would just cash out, man. I would just be like, sell it to somebody and not just be like, here you go. Give me my money. You know who else just sold, who else just uh, sold their publishing? Um, uh, Jordan Davis, who I didn't, oh. I didn't think he had like that depth of a cat. I mean, he's a new artist. He's got some great, great songs, but I didn't think his catalog was so deep that he would get millions for it or, or even think about selling at his age at the age he is now but yeah he cashed in yeah i think that's the way to go i think a lot of artists are starting to do that too like uh they're realizing i don't know there's just so much on the back end now with with like uh streaming and and half cents and quarter cents and yeah i mean that's what it would just make it a lot easier but you're probably in the long run maybe losing money who knows would you agree to a deal where you got Paid a quarter cent a listener? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. That's that's crazy to me. Let's say the math worked out that you got paid like a, a quarter cent per listener, and right now when you signed that deal, like your paycheck was similar or, or a little better. You were a bit better off, but long term, you know, it'd fluctuate. Would you? Would you still take the deal? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I would take the deal. Would you take the payout on the lottery or the over time? I believe I could probably invest it fairly well. 
Um, Interesting. See, I would be the opposite on that. I would take the overtime because of the, of the opposite. <laughs> I had um, a, a family friend that won the lottery when I was growing up, and he did the overtime over the, the 20 years. Oh, did it, how'd it work out? Well, a lot of times those lottery winners, you know, they get divorced or, you know, they get sued mm. or, or things like that. Like, and, it, and it's worked out really well for him. He, um, it's, it's been 20 or 30 years now, so he's passed his 20-minute window. But, um, you know, had a normal life with a happy marriage, kids, and all, all the things. I think he kept his job, and it was just kind of a blue-collar kind of job. Um, and it wasn't like hundreds of millions. I think he ended up winning like uh, maybe three to five million or something like that. So enough to go to the doctor. Yeah, enough to pay these new prime, uh, these new <laughs> these new copays. <laughs> yeah, you got Amazon Prime for a year. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> nice amount of money there.